Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week in segment three. The votes are in, and Barack Obama will be the 44th president of the United States starting next January. How will his policies affect the world of sports business? What events may be impacted by Obama becoming president? We're going to break that down for you in segment three of today's show. In segment four, Gerald Myers. He's the Texas Tech Red Raiders athletic director. The Red Raiders football team is currently ranked second in the BCS standings and is coming off a thrilling win over top-ranked Texas last weekend. How are the running, gunning Red Raiders generating revenues for an athletic department that has only a third of the budget that some of their conference foes have? We'll discuss that as well as I'll get Myers' thoughts on the current BCS system in segment four of today's show. A couple of other notes, visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by Nathan Roach. Nathan, what a week. I mean, we have a new president. Personally, I'm very pleased. Um, I think it's going to change the world of sports, which we will talk about in segment three. But I'll tell you what, Texas Tech Red Raider AD Gerald Myers is going to join us. I don't know if you saw that game last Saturday night on ABC, but... Next to the USC-Texas National Championship game of a few years ago with Leinert versus Vince Young, that was one of the most thrilling football games I've watched in a long time. Well, yeah, I mean, I was able to catch some clips of it, and then obviously I saw the highlights on ESPN. It was College football has had some great games like that this season, more so than last season, I think, and good for Texas Tech. I mean, that's a huge win for them and their program. So we'll talk about some of those things with uh, Gerald Myers. The other thing is the Major League Baseball general managers meetings took place this week. Manny Ramirez got a big offer from the Los Angeles Dodgers. We'll tell you about that coming up next in headlines. And also, there's another very important person in Major League Baseball that's going to be staying put. We'll tell you who that person is coming up in headlines as well. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, what an amazing week as Illinois Senator Barack Obama was elected the 44th president of the United States. Between the slumping economy and Obama's policies, there are sure to be some changes in store that will have a big impact on the sports world. We're going to discuss those items in our next segment, so stick around for that. Headline number two, the elections of this past week will have a major impact on several key sports-related issues in states around the country. Nathan, let's start in San Diego. City Attorney General Michael Aguirre was not reelected, and he had been a really big opponent of a new stadium in California for the Chargers. So the Padres have their new baseball-only stadium, but the Chargers are one of these teams, one of many California teams, lobbying for a new stadium. If you listened to our show a few weeks ago with Tim Kewen from ESPN, the magazine, we talked about how it's going to be more and more difficult for these venues to be built because taxpayers don't want to put their money forward to build the venues. But at least now the Chargers feel like they've got a little bit of a chance because the guy who was such a big opponent of a new stadium in San Diego is now out of office. Well, I think a lot of people forget how important politicians are and political figures within their cities are to sports. Look at Seattle and the mayor of Seattle and the taxpayers up there not wanting to build a new venue for the key arena. So they have a substantial impact on the sports world. Now, the other interesting election this week, KJ, Kevin Johnson, former Suns player, is now the mayor of Sacramento. And he's pretty tight with the Maloofs. Gavin Maloof has been on this show several times, and it's no secret that the Maloofs would love a new NBA arena in Sacramento because Arco Arena is one of the oldest arenas in the NBA. So the Maloofs this week wasted no time getting KJ sitting courtside with them, presented him with the Kings jersey, and they're already talking to him about what can we do to get a new arena. Again, it's going to be a challenge because unless they can figure out how to pay for this with private money and not have to go to the taxpayers, it's going to be tough. But the good news in Sacramento is KJ, former NBA player, he's passionate about sports. He wants to see NBA basketball remain in Sacramento. Yeah, but is it going to be at the expense of the taxpayers? That is up to the residents of Sacramento. I think that a lot of people still get frustrated when you're the Maloofs and you own the Palms and you're as rich as those two guys are. You don't want to pony up the cash for a new arena. It's hard to believe that Arco is so dated. I've been there, and it doesn't seem to be that old of a stadium. Oh, if, venue. You, if you go to some other arenas and you go into there, it's pretty old. Well, I, I'm just thinking about when I was a kid, which I guess was a lot longer ago. Yeah, that was like, what, 40 years ago. <laughs> All right, former NFL quarterback Heath Schuler and former NFL coach Sam Weich also had successful elections to political seats this week. So some former athletes that uh, are remaining in politics. Our next headline, the Los Angeles Dodgers have offered slugger Manny Ramirez a contract that would be the most lucrative contract ever offered to a Dodgers player. It'd be the second highest average salary in Major League Baseball history, only behind Alex Rodriguez of the Yankees. If it's a two-year deal, it's a $50 million deal. If it's a three-year deal, it's a $75 million deal. So roughly the average salary would be about $25 million a year. Now, it's interesting for the Dodgers, Nathan, because Manny Ramirez is 36 years old. He had an amazing impact on the Dodgers when he came over, not only on the field getting them to the playoffs, but this guy sold lots of tickets. 
People were buying the dreadlock wigs. They were buying Man Ram jerseys all over town. And he really became the face of the franchise in a short amount of time. So Dodgers fans are going to be very, very upset if Manny's not back in a Dodger uniform. But if you're the Dodgers, you don't want to offer him a six-year deal because you don't want him to finish his contract when he's 42 years old. Well, exactly. But Manny Ramirez saved the Dodgers. And he, like you said, he is the biggest face of the Dodgers, and I think he's happy there. He likes L.A. a lot more than he likes Boston. It's a better fit for his personality, I think. And there's huge opportunities outside of baseball for for Manny to get some marketing deals. Well, the key here is that Scott Boris is his agent, and we all know how greedy Scott Boris is. So who knows what's going to happen with this, but I would think that— Hopefully he doesn't screw it up the way uh, he did A-Rod. Well, we'll see. And I don't think there's going to be a market for Manny Ramirez— uh, that's going to be outside of maybe two or three teams. Maybe the Yankees will make a bid, but I think the Dodgers are probably going to be the team that makes the most aggressive bid. Our next headline, speaking of baseball, the Major League Baseball GM meetings took place this week, and we learned that one of the brightest minds in Major League Baseball is staying put in Boston. The Red Sox signed their GM, Theo Epstein, to a new contract. Under Epstein, the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004 and 2007 after not having won the title since 1918, you may remember that Epstein left Boston for nearly three months after his previous contract expired at the end of October 2005. So, Nathan, this time around, the owners of the Red Sox don't have to go through the drama. They give him his contract. It's well-deserved. Good to see that Theo's staying in Boston. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the guy, when we talk about the Red Sox now, we don't talk about him without talking about a potential world championship. That's pretty incredible considering where they were about five or six years ago. Our next headline, USA Today unveiled its list of NFL team payrolls for this season. We learned that the pitiful Oakland Raiders have the highest payroll in the NFL at over $152 million. If you didn't notice this week, the Raiders waived cornerback D'Angelo Hall, who they signed to a seven-year, $70 million contract this past offseason after making a deal to acquire him from the Atlanta Falcons. Hall was paid $8 million For only eight games with the Raiders. Where do I sign up for that gig? He received $7 million signing bonus, a $1 million base salary. And then Atlanta got a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick from the Raiders. So here's a guy that's not even on your roster anymore. You paid him a million dollars a game. You gave up two high draft picks. What a disaster the Raiders have become. It sounds like Sean Kemp here in Portland. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's a bad return on your investment. And then... Also on this list, and you can find this complete list from USA Today on my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com, there's a list of the highest-paid players. Well, Jamarcus Russell, who's done nothing as the quarterback of the Raiders, is the fourth-highest-paid player in the entire NFL, earning $16.9 million. If you want to know who the top-paid player is, it's Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback of the Steelers. He's making $27.7 million dollars. This year, find that entire list on sportsbusinessradio.com. Our next headline, a surprising move out of New Jersey this week. We all know that the Nets are trying to get a new facility built in Brooklyn, and it's a multi-billion dollar facility. And we've talked previously on this show how Barclays had signed a 20-year, $400 million naming rights deal. And if they don't break ground by December 1st, Barclays was able to walk away from the project, and $400 million is a lot of money to lose on that project. Well, Barclays came out this week and said, we are staying on board. And to me, Nathan, it's big news because it means that maybe if they can get this project done, the Nets are still 
a player for LeBron James. That's been their goal all along is to open up the new arena with LeBron James. He's a free agent in 2010. The earliest new arena would open is 2011, so it doesn't quite sync up. But uh, still big news because if this deal went south, I think the Nets would have had no chance at getting LeBron. Well, yeah, and, and that market is perfect for LeBron. That's what we've all been anticipating since he signed with the Cavs. He was going to be in New York or he was going to be in L.A. Well, and I just think that uh, the trade this week with the Pistons and the Nuggets is also going to have an impact on where LeBron goes, quite possibly. The Pistons get Allen Iverson and his expiring $20 million contract at the end of the year. They get rid of Chauncey Billups to the Nuggets and Antonio McDice. So now the Pistons conceivably could sign two max-level players to contracts in 2010. So, I mean, how would the Pistons look if they go out and get, let's say, Chris Bosh and LeBron James in the summer of 2010? Not bad at all. They'd have to let Rasheed Wallace walk, but I think they would do that if they knew they could get both King James and uh, Chris Bosh or someone of that caliber, maybe even a a Dwayne Wade. All right, coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk about how the election of Barack Obama to president of the United States this week is going to impact the sports world. Lots of different ways it will affect the sports world, both financially, but also there's some big sporting events that could have his signature written all over them. We'll discuss those next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back in big news this week. Barack Obama has been elected the 44th president of the United States of America, and he's going to be sworn in in January of 2009. And Nathan, I wanted to spend this segment talking about the potential impact of a Barack Obama presidency on the world of sports, because I think it's going to be pretty big. Let's first start with the fact that Barack Obama is an Illinois senator, and he is from Chicago. Well, guess which city is in a tight battle to land the 2016 Olympic Games? Yes, Chicago. And we saw this week, on short notice, they pulled off a pretty good event. I mean, that event there had hundreds of thousands of people at Grant Park, his acceptance speech, Um, It looked great on TV. The global media was there. They saw that organizers in Chicago could pull off an event of that magnitude. They saw that the people weren't unruly. They all seemed to be pretty much in control. I think Chicago made a very good showing for itself on 
the world stage when all the lights were on him. Well, and how about the way that the city looked and the park looked? It looked so cool. It looked like a summer night. I couldn't believe it. I've been to that park a number of times. I love the city of Chicago. Obviously, my family's from there, but everything looked perfect. And I know there are a lot of people, myself included, excited about Barack winning the presidency, but everything looked great. People were happy. There was no problems whatsoever. So I didn't think Chicago had a chance at getting the Olympics. I think there's a a little bit of hope right now. No, I think there's more than a little bit of hope. And I think if Barack Obama shows up at the IOC session next October in Copenhagen, you know, we've seen he's a rock star in Europe. He was in front of the Berlin Wall and hundreds of thousands of people there. People like Barack Obama internationally. And I think if he shows up in front of the IOC pleading with them to award the 2016 games to Chicago, I think it's going to be hard for them to say no to him when the president of the United States comes and makes a passionate speech. It's his hometown to boot. So it's not like he's talking about Los Angeles or Houston or Miami or someplace like that. This is his hometown. So I think it could be a really cool story, and uh, it'll be one to watch. But keep October of next year in Copenhagen. If he goes to Copenhagen, I think when he leaves there, it's a done deal. 2016, you can mark it down for the Olympics in Chicago. Now, another thing about Chicago is Mr. Obama, President Obama, soon to be, big White Sox fan. And we get word this week that the White Sox have already talked to the Obama camp about throwing out the first pitch for the White Sox this year in spring of 2009. So the thing that's interesting about Barack Obama, forget about his policies and everything else for a minute, but the guy's a sports fan. He played pickup basketball on Tuesday with a bunch of his friends. He, His brother-in-law actually coaches Oregon State's basketball team. This is a guy who's passionate about sports, so it's not like he's some guy that doesn't have sports on his radar. He's going to be in tune with what's going on in the sports world. Another place that he could have an impact is with the players associations and the labor boards. You know, we've seen these impasses with the NFL network, with the Big Ten network, and big networks like Comcast. Well, you can bet that President Obama is going to appoint some people to oversee the FCC that will probably have some different mindsets than the mindsets of the people that have been in there so far. And I think we may finally see some of these deals get done shortly after he's in office. Well, yeah, I mean, the only thing I don't like, well, I shouldn't say that, is that he's a White Sox fan. Of course, I'm a Cubs fan. But, you know, (laughs) I don't know if you saw the interviews on Monday night with Chris Berman. I did. But I thought it was interesting that Barack Obama, when asked what he would change about sports, did not mention the hot-button issue right now of steroid use and performance-enhancing drugs within sports. McCain McCain answered that. The way, you know, he said he liked to battle performance-enhancing drugs, but Barack didn't even allude to it, which I find interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he kind of moves forward with that because uh, the, the, obviously we know Bush's administration was, was all about it. Well, and what Barack Obama did say, the one thing he would change about sports is the BCS system. I agree with him, and I'll tell you what, coming up in our next segment – When I'm talking to Gerald Myers from Texas Tech, the AD, I'm going to ask him that same question. We saw Pete Carroll come out this week and was very critical of the BCS system on this show. For the last few years, we've ripped the BCS system, but that's getting off on another topic. I think it's interesting that you just pointed out, like he said, he's not taking on steroids or performance-enhancing drugs yet. We will see. Um, The other thing that's going to be most interesting— is the financial impact of Barack Obama as president. I mean, 
What he's talked about so far is that there's going to be heavier taxes for the wealthiest people in America. So people making $250,000 or more in this country are going to be taxed more heavily than they've been taxed before. And they're going to basically share the wealth with the people who can't pay as much for taxes. Well, who is that going to affect the most? That's going to affect pro sports owners and pro athletes that are making you know, millions and millions of dollars. The average salary in Major League Baseball, $400,000. So, you know, even if you're at the lower end of the scale in Major League Baseball, you're still going to be taxed more. So you've got agents like Scott Boris coming out this week, which I thought was pretty ridiculous, and saying, well, if we're going to have to pay more taxes, we're going to have to factor that into our deals going forward and just ask for more money. Well, good luck, Scott. I mean, you know, Scott Boris is one of those hard-nosed guys. Maybe he will pull that off. But I think generally... Um, you know, people are going to have to suck it up and swallow it. You, look, if you're making $25 million a year, if you're Manny Ramirez and you can make $25 million a year, come on. I mean, how much money do you really need? I, I couldn't agree more. Everybody talks about us teetering on socialism and the fact, listen, even if you're making $400,000 a year, you're still doing just fine. But when you're starting to talk about, Scott Boris comes out and says that he is going to ask for more money. $25 million isn't enough that if you get taxed a million dollars, that's not going to be enough. You need to ask for $28 million a year. It's ridiculous. Scott Boris is a punk, and that's that's what's wrong with sports right there. Well, it was interesting to see the reaction of some of the athletes uh, after the election this week. I mean, there were several athletes that were uh, genuinely disappointed that McCain didn't win because now with Obama as president, they're going to be taxed more heavily. So, you know, these are some of these guys are selfish guys. They look at me first. They don't look at anyone else other than themselves and their family. And they go, this is going to affect me. It's going to hit me in the wallet. I got a problem with that. That's why they voted for McCain. A lot of athletes, frankly, voted solely on this issue alone. They didn't care about anything else or how it affected anyone else in the world. They said, this is going to hit me in the wallet. I mean, there were some players this week that talked about, I'm going to lose half my salary now because Barack Obama. They got to get a new accountant then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but, you know, they're selfish. The, on the flip side of that, I thought it was really cool. Uh, you know, I saw Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith, the two first African Americans to coach in the Super Bowl. They were interviewed, and, and they were just so well spoken when it came to what does it mean to them to have Barack Obama elected as the first African American president in the United States. And, you know, I see LeBron James wearing his Barack Obama shirt. Carmelo Anthony comes out and says, I'm going to score 44 points in honor of Obama being the 44th president of the United States. And I just think there's a lot of people out there that are going to be very supportive of Barack Obama. We saw a lot of athletes and entertainers and owners get behind his campaign. And I now think that he's going to be president. You're going to see these people get behind his efforts even more. He is a guy who brings people together. People want to be on his team and I think that's going to be interesting to watch. But, you know, there are going to be a lot of financial implications going forward. And I still think, as we were talking last segment, that uh, these sports venues and taxpayers paying for these venues, those days are basically done. Well, he's going to be under a microscope for sure. He definitely will. All right, coming up next, Gerald Myers. He is the athletic director of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I don't know if you watched that game last Saturday night on ABC. The Raiders and the Texas Longhorns, one of the best games I've seen in a long time. We're going to talk about how that game has propelled Texas Tech into the national spotlight. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. If there's a hotter college football team in America than the Texas Tech Red Raiders, I'm not sure who it is. I'm joined by the athletic director of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, Gerald Myers. Gerald, thanks for joining us here on Sports Business Radio. Well, thank you for uh, including us in your interview today. Oh, no problem. Uh, boy, your football team had one of the most thrilling wins of the season against top-ranked Texas last weekend. They pulled out the win in the final seconds, and in front of a capacity crowd and millions of TV viewers, the team has now won 11 games in a row. And if the season ended today, you'd face Alabama for the national championship Gerald, give us a taste of what life is like at Texas Tech these days after your program has really been thrust into the national spotlight. Well, uh, Brian, for one thing, we've been in this business a long time. And uh, we we have been in positions to do well at different uh, times with different sports. And so we, we know we've got a long way to go. We've got a very tough game with Oklahoma State this weekend. In two weeks, we go up to Oklahoma and then finish the season out, the regular season with Baylor. So uh, we're, we're not talking about national championships or championships of any kind. I know this is uh, what you hear from coaches and athletic directors, but we're just trying to win another game this week. Yeah, maybe you can talk about your conference for a moment, not just with football, but with all of the different sports. I mean, you play in one of the most competitive, difficult conferences in the country. Well, the Big 12 is a great conference. It's great for all the members. Uh, It's a a fun conference to be in. Um, It is a a conference that provides a lot of resources, a lot of revenue to all of the membership. And uh, it is a very competitive conference in every sport. For example, I think uh, we're in the middle of volleyball season. Seven volleyball teams at one time were ranked in the top 25 in the nation, and that's just the way it is in the Big 12. If you can win the Big 12, you've got a chance to win the national title. So, you know, our goal is to uh, win one a week and try to get to that championship game. Yeah, I'm sure it's hard. uh, You know, you've got to keep things in perspective, and like you said, you've got a tough schedule the rest of the way. I want to talk about your head football coach for a moment, Mike Leach. Really an amazing offensive mind. Maybe you can share with our listeners how you were able to recruit Mike Leach to Texas Tech. Well, you know, in this business as athletic directors, you're always looking at uh, prospective coaches. You never know when a coach is going to make a change or 
or whatever may happen uh, to uh, to cause a change in coaching. And so you pay attention to uh, coaches in, in all sports and uh, who's doing well, who's uh, in the top 25, who's doing something extraordinarily well. And so I uh, started noticing uh, Hal Mummy and Mike Leach at Kentucky and then when Bob Stoops hired Mike at Oklahoma, that that was pretty interesting that uh, a guy like Bob Stoops, who was on everybody's radar screen as a as a young prospective coach, defensive right. coordinator at Florida at that time, but everybody knew Bob was a, a great uh, candidate for a head job. And when he hired Mike to Oklahoma, I, I think that... Uh, Raised a lot of uh, interest in in Mike to see what he could do. In uh, the first year over there, he was uh, averaging 50 points a game, put up 85 or 75, I think, against uh, Texas A&M. And we're sitting here watching that every Saturday on television, and uh, our coach uh, retired that year, and uh, – and that, that's why we were interested in Mike Leach. He was such a, 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 an outstanding offensive coach. And uh, granted, he had a lot of talent and a lot of resources at OU, and they won the national title the next year with that team. But uh, that was really uh, how we got interested in Mike. So we uh, we talked to him and got him down here, and uh, we heard him because of his uh, offensive uh coaching record and uh, offensive coaching uh, accomplishments, actually. You know, it's funny. uh, I went to Loyola Marymount back in the uh, late 1980s, early 1990s. I was a broadcaster for the team. I don't know if you remember the team, but they scored 120 points a game. They had Hank Gathers, the late Hank Gathers, and Bo Kimball on the team. And when I watch Texas Tech Red Raider football, to me it's the equivalent of the run-and-gun style basketball that Loyola Marymount played. It's such an exciting brand to watch. Well, I think that's a good comparison. Uh, yeah, I am aware of that team at Loyola that year, and uh, I know Paul West did pretty well. Um, Paul believed in that system. He believed in that fast break, and uh, he believed in running down the floor and and uh, taking the first possible shot they could get, and um, he, other coaches tried it, and when they'd run down there and get a shot, and they'd miss five or six in a row, lose two or three games in a row, and it wasn't working well. Well, they would uh, revert back to their old style, their old philosophy of coaching. But Paul believed in it; he made it work, and that's the same thing that uh, we have in Mike Leach. He believes in the passing game. I mean, he's he's believed in it from day one. He believes in it now. Um, he doesn't have any reservations about throwing the ball in any situation. And um, I don't know that any other uh, coach that runs a spread offense believes in the passing game any more uh, than, than Mike does. But uh, if we have a bad game or quarterback's off or something or whatever, he, he's not going to change. He's going to stay with it. Yeah, he seems like a real even-keeled guy, uh, doesn't get too up, doesn't get too down. Let me ask you this. You know, A moment ago you just mentioned that athletic directors like yourself are always keeping your eye open for keen talent. Well, 
there's jobs open at Washington and Tennessee right now, and I'm sure there's people out there at other programs that are looking at Mr. Leach. Uh, I know he's in the midst of a good contract with you guys. Or is there any discussion about locking him up for a, a longer duration to keep him there at Texas Tech? Uh, Brian, there will be when the season's over. Sure. I, I just don't want to get into that. I think it would be a huge distraction right now, and we've got so much at stake. We're, we're not going to get into that till the season's over. Mike, uh, he's focused on the season. Uh, he's not interested in talking about that at this point, and uh, we, we'll, we'll be dealing with that when the season's over. I'm joined by the athletic director of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, Gerald Myers. Gerald, uh, you know, Texas Tech, it's not Texas or Ohio State or Florida when it comes to having these immense budgets for your athletic department. Maybe you can give us some idea as to what your athletic department budget is for this year. I'm not asking for a specific dollar amount, but, you know, in comparison to those monstrous programs, you don't have probably quite the uh, economic resources that they have. Well, our athletic budget's $46 million. That seems like a lot of money, but that's just... Uh average um, median budget in the Big 12. Texas uh, leads uh, all of schools in the country as far as uh, big budget. I think their budget is $126 million. Wow. They have a stadium that seats 98000 Our stadium seats about 55000 And we fill it up every game. But uh, they fill theirs up every game, too. So you know, they are uh, averaging something like uh, 43,000 more fans every game than we do. Right. And uh, that's all gravy. You know, you pay all your bills on that first 50,000, and then you've got all that other money extra that you can do a lot of things with. So we have about, you know, we're and we're, we're looking at, at expanding our stadium uh, over 60,000 which uh, eventually in the long range, uh, our master plan, uh, and it may be 15 years, um, we have a plan to increase this stadium to 85,000, but not in the foreseeable future. But we do plan to to increase it uh, a little over 60 before too long. So, Gerald, I guess the, the multi-million dollar question is, how do you leverage the success of your football team and your basketball team in recent years as well to benefit your athletic department and your university in whole? Because let's face it, you know, people look at your successful athletic programs, even if they're not a student athlete, they're just a general student from the student body, and that's still attractive and makes them want to come to Texas Tech. Well, I think, and uh, we have a, a really good administration here, our President Bailey, uh, Guy Bailey, our Chancellor Kent Hans, uh they're, they're, uh, they're, very supportive of uh, athletics, and they realize the importance of athletics and the successful athletic teams and uh, the recruitment of students. And uh, if you are fortunate enough to uh, win, have some successful teams, uh, get in some good bowl games, and uh, have uh, a, a good year like uh, – you know, we're having right now, hopefully we can continue that. Um, it, it definitely uh, perks the interest of uh, prospective students as well as probably prospective staff and uh, faculty members as well. So 
our administration is very supportive, and uh, they uh, they realize the importance of athletics, successful athletics for uh, the university. Did you get any uh, off the cuff calls this week from donors who said, "Hey, saw the big win. I want to write you a check." Well, our our uh, our, our alumni and uh, the private sector have been been pretty uh, generous with us they really have uh, we we've gotten a lot of uh, good support we've put uh, uh, approximately 100 million dollars into uh, football facilities alone over the last 10 years and uh, we put uh, some our basketball arenas a new arena 63 million dollars for that and uh, we have uh, we're renovating our track now we've just built a new soccer Stadium for our women's soccer team. We have uh, we're just in the process of building a field house for our women's softball team, and uh, so uh, we we have uh, gotten really good support from the private sector, and uh, those things would not have been possible without uh, donations from our alumni and the friends and uh, supporters of Texas Tech. Just a few minutes left, I'm joined by Gerald Myers, the athletic director of Texas Tech. Gerald, uh, I want to move back to football for a moment. USC head football coach Pete Carroll this week, very critical of the current BCS system. And by the way, I am not a proponent of the current system at all. Um, What are your thoughts on the system, and would you rather see a playoff system? I mean, you know, we saw President-elect Barack Obama come out this week, and he did an interview, and he said if he was going to change one thing in all of sports, he would change college football so there's a playoff system instead of the bcs what do you think well you know that's a pretty popular statement to make with all the fans whether he really understands the implications of it or not i don't know but uh you know if you're a politician you're going to say what people want to hear don't you agree (laughs) yeah sometimes but i mean pete carroll yes he's a coach he's not a politician sometimes people would say coaches are a little bit of politicians but do you have any thoughts one way or another on the system do you think it's working or would you like to see a playoff well i I think the bcs system's working i think the bowl system works i think it records teams for uh, their achievement during the year there there's a good bowl system in place uh Tier one bowls, tier two, tier threes, the BCS bowls. Uh, I think there is a way for uh, teams to get into the uh, championship picture. So you know, currently, until somebody comes up with a better plan, I, I think the BCS is good. All right, Under Armour, very prominent on uh, your broadcast on ABC last weekend. I see in the stadium, obviously, the football uniforms are Under Armour. Um, maybe you could talk for a moment about that deal. Is that a deal just with your football team, or is that across your entire athletic department? It, it started with just uh, a, uh, a deal with our football team. Under Armour became the uh, sole sponsor and provider for apparel and shoes and equipment for our football team about uh, three years ago. And we've just entered into another agreement to uh, expand our throughout our whole athletic department. So all of our teams will be Under Armour teams beginning in July of 2009. And and we are so excited and appreciative of uh, being an Under Armour school. I can't tell you how much uh, our players enjoy uh, wearing Under Armour and the support we've gotten from Under Armour has just been uh, incredible. The um, 
interest in, uh, you know, Kevin Plank, CEO of Under Armour, the founder of Under Armour, he was at our game here Saturday night. And uh, it's just been a great partnership. And we're looking forward to all of our teams being in, uh, outfitted in Under Armour. Um, you know, it's just been, been something that uh, has been really good for Texas Tech. Last question for you. You made the bold decision to hire Bobby Knight. He's since retired. He's been replaced by his son, Pat. But what about Bobby Knight? I mean, obviously one of the best college basketball coaches uh, of all time, but you're getting him from Indiana and the Big Ten, very high profile, to come to Texas Tech, not as high profile, but, boy, he did a nice job there with your program. Well, he really did. He he did a great job of uh, revitalizing our program. We struggled a little bit prior to him coming. He he was our coach, I think, for six years. He got us into postseason uh, four out of those six. Uh, went to the uh, Sweet 16 three years ago. and uh, But he was more than just a coach. Bob Knight uh, generated a lot of uh, revenue for Texas Tech. He uh, he, he was uh, a guy that uh, did a lot of good things, uh, probably raised half a million dollars for the library and uh, supported uh, other programs with uh, through uh, money that he raised uh, while he was our coach here. And he's still on our staff here. He, he's still involved with us, and uh, he will continue to help us uh, in fundraising and in other uh, areas as well. But, uh, yeah, we, we really... Uh, Appreciated the job Bob did and what he did for Texas Tech, the exposure he brought, brought to uh, Lubbock and to West Texas and, and Texas Tech as well. That's great. Gerald, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. Continued success to you and to your Texas Tech program. Okay, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Uh, how about this? Sarah Talladay from the Fort Lauderdale newspaper reports that NASCAR driver Carl Edwards, who is sponsored by Office Depot and his fiance, picked out their wedding invitation stationery from their local Office Depot store and are letting Office Depot design, print, and ship all of their invitations. 
Now, that is what I would call sponsored loyalty. Well, yeah, it's sponsored loyalty, but uh, it's also not as tacky when you send it out and it's from Office Depot because they know that that's your biggest sponsor. Well, and I bet you, too, that they're going to like do the, the nicest invitations because when you think Office Depot, you don't think of like the really ritzy, high-priced wedding invitations, but I bet you Office Depot pulls out the works for uh, Carl Edwards. A little eggshell white. Yes. All right, one more thing. That uh, we'll talk about J.A. Apparel Corp., the owner of Joseph Abood. I have a Joseph Abood suit, and I like them. They're going to provide NBA coaches at least a dozen free outfits with a combined retail value of more than $500,000 under terms of a three-year deal. This was announced this week by Ray Smith of the Wall Street Journal. In return, Joseph Abood gets the right to tout itself as the coach's official clothier, uh, though it won't be getting on-screen credit for the role during broadcast. Now, some NFL coaches also wear these suits, but it's interesting. You know, it's great for the coaches, but Joseph Abood, you're not getting on-screen credit, and it's not like there's a big Joseph Abood label on the breast of the jacket. So unless the coach talks about the deal, how's Joseph Abood coming out on top in this uh by guys like us talking about it hey if you've got one of these suits does that mean that you fall into obama's tax plan because it's i mean these suits sound expensive hey man i i'd get the best (laughs) i mean i i i like the uh the joseph abood suits all right lots of thank yous on our show this week gerald myers the ad at texas tech boy they're gonna be a fun team to watch the rest of the year our show staff nathan roach bobby corser josh blank darren peck ron barr james harrison doug zanger our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.